Felt like all the teams that needed wins last night got them, didn't it? Really did. Um, a lot of big teams that needed uh, big two points last night walked away with it. Uh, welcome to Good Morning Hockey, everybody. We are the weekend ending or the week ending edition of the Good Morning Hockey Show. I hope everybody had a lovely week. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. We're here to talk about last night's action. We are going to break down what's going on this weekend. We will break anything that's coming across our screens within the next uh, hour or so, and uh, we'll set you guys up for a lovely weekend. So uh, thanks for joining us this morning. The numbers have gone up on this show, surprisingly, so <laughs> here we are. Um, yeah, it's nice to do this, and uh, nice to have the other guys on the network, too. Thanks to Brendan for coming in today and uh, being my point guy here as yes, far sir. as... Uh, looking stuff up goes if we need anything so but a lot of really interesting games I guess I should start with the St. Louis Blues scoring three goals in 32 seconds may not be where a lot of people want to start with it we could start with the Matt Rempe hit on Nathan Bastion but there's just so much to get into that uh, I wanted to start with the Blues uh, Jordan Bennington with the really big shutout 38 saves um, Patrick Waugh pulling his goalie with over 10 minutes to go in the game to uh, try and get a little spark going in his New York Islanders team uh, it did not work. Pavel Buchnevich caps the hat trick into the empty net uh, fairly quickly after Patrick Watt pulls his netminder and the St. Louis Blues walk away with a 4-0 win. Um, that was just a, a good game. I mean, the game was kind of encapsulated in that 32 seconds, and uh, that is a franchise record, by the way, for fastest three goals. Um it was, it was a good game, but you would have liked to have seen a bit more of a push from the Islanders. We saw a lot of high shot totals that uh, led to some high save totals, not a lot of scoring. Uh, Igor Shosturkin had a great performance against the Devils, who put up 40 shots on him. Um, there were a few others um, that need to come to mind. I mean, Jacob Markstrom making 32 saves was, was another one, but... Um, not a lot of the shots here were super high quality. The Panthers, too. I mean, the Pan the Panthers the Panthers was the other one I was thinking of. They they put up 44 shots on Peter Kachekov, who walked away with a shutout. I I'll get to him in a little bit later, though. Um, but the, the quality of shots, obviously, is not exactly where it, you would want it to be, especially in this Islanders game. Jordan Bennington was tested. He was very good, but... He didn't need to be uh, game-stealing in that one. So um, you would have liked to have seen a bit more of an offensive uh, vigor to the New York Islanders, and you didn't really get it, um, especially from just some certain guys on the lineup that you expect to really be driving play and getting to those high-scoring areas, um, high-quality scoring areas. So uh, Blues pick up a 4-0 win. Zach Bolduke makes his NHL debut. Only made only had twelve shifts. Uh, only played under ten minutes. Um, was out there a little bit, you know. Um, he he never really got too much of an opportunity out there yesterday. Um, would have liked to have seen him, especially when they're up four zero. Give him. I, I didn't see the sh the shift breakdown, but um, seeing where he got his shifts, I feel like he didn't really get a ton of shifts near the end of the game. I don't think he was hurt. Um, so. Good, good on him, though, making his NHL debut. He's a first-round pick by the Blues, so um, we'll see where that goes. Um, but I want to get—how about we get back to that Peter Kachekov shout-out? So the Hurricanes win 1-0 over the Florida Panthers. 
that would be a great playoff series rematch if we could get that maybe in the second round or the conference final again. I think the Hurricanes are much more prepared to put up a fight than the 4-0 sweep we saw last playoffs. Um, Peter Kachekov, I've said it here. I've said it before. I say it to my friends. Um, This guy is going to be a really good starting net minor in the NHL. Definitely a top 10 goalie at some point soon. Um, Picks up the 1-0 win, 44 saves. Like I said, not not a crazy amount of high-quality scoring chances against Peter Kachekov. But even still, um, so that is his 30th career win and his seventh career shutout. So a shutout in almost a quarter of his NHL games or a quarter of his NHL wins, I might add. Um, And the Hurricanes might have found their guy. They have four goalies currently on the roster. They have Kachekov, they have Spencer Spencer Martin, and they also have Freddie Anderson and Antti Ranta, who are both hurt. And uh, we haven't really seen much of Freddie because of the blood clotting issues. So um, we don't know if we're going to see Freddie Anderson the rest of the season. If I had to put in my two cents, my answer would be no. Um, then again, I don't, I'm not really in with the Carolina Hurricanes organization. I just, what I would do and what I would think. Um, but if, if we haven't seen Freddie Anderson yet, we're probably less likely to see him before season's end. But we could definitely see him between the pipes at some point before um, the playoffs begin for Carolina. I just think that they'll want to eventually go with somebody that they know they can roll with unless he gets injured. And if Peter Kachekov can really prove himself to be that guy and he seems to be doing it, and if he can keep it up, he doesn't need to get a 44 save shutout every night. But if he can provide some steady goaltending, not let in a lot of the stinkers that we've seen him let by him at times. Um, he's a very emotional person, very emotional goalie um, that can trouble young netminders, um, not being able to deal with the highs and the lows of the NHL. Um, so, so we'll see how that goes. That was a great game. A lot of chippiness after the game too. A lot of, a lot of scrums after the final horn sounded. Um, these two teams do not like each other. It seems. Um, Matthew Kachuk also left, left the game. So did Gustav Forsling. Uh, no update yet, as far as I uh, understand. Um, so they they did not they left and didn't return the game, obviously. But um, Matthew Kachuk was on a six game point streak too, and um, yeah, I, I hope they're both all right. Those are two big uh, pieces for the Cats. Um, they just a little blip on the radar for the for the Panthers, though. I mean, like even one goal, like I'm sure that's the message in the locker room. There is just even one goal would have. Uh, gotten them a point in that game so um but that it's tough to give one up with 19 seconds left they had the aha goal was really good too um Svechnikov coming in like trying to get a couple shots away and then knowing that Aho's there and he just fires a shot from distance past Bobrovsky and um yeah I mean it, it'll it was a great game that would be a great playoff series if we got to see that again this season um the yeah the cats would be hard pressed to win that one but just it would be great hockey overall um like i said just a lot of teams who it felt like needed to get big wins last night and they they went out and got it they put up some really good performances looking at the capitals beating lightning five to three looking at the penguins um and maybe we'll let's get to the penguins because we spent a little bit of time on the penguins yesterday talking about the kyle dubas press conference talking about the potential movement of guys like jake gensel the, the security of the coaching staff, and the fact that Sidney Crosby loves playing against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, that was his boyhood team, we all know. Um, 
so he always gets up for this game and he always rallies the troops for this one and everybody wants to play hard in games that Sid like that everybody knows Sid wants to win so um that was just a good all-around performance Tristan Jari was very good a couple goals from Chris Letang uh Drew O'Connor too I mean he's got 20 points now with a goal and an assist last night um I'm sure the Penguins maybe maybe if you're in Pittsburgh you you would have really known about this guy and what he could have brought as a depth contributor to this team I mean it's not even like they're playing him like a depth contributor he's I've seen shifts with him with Evgeny Malkin um he, he plays with good players so um it's uh you know, we'll see what happens in Pittsburgh. I think if you can add another piece or two, I know that may sound a little wild, uh, especially considering the conversation we were having yesterday about Duba saying they want to get younger. Um, getting younger doesn't necessarily mean that you need to ship off a bunch of veterans for draft capital or players that haven't played NHL games. You can acquire young talent that have played NHL games or that are currently playing in the NHL. Um, depending on the level of player, obviously, you you might need to give up more in the way of assets, but... Um, you know, Kyle Dubas is a tricky guy. He'll, he'll, he'll try and figure something out. And if he could like make a move to then make another move, I could definitely see that being something that happens in Pittsburgh. So they pick up a four, big four, one win. Um, you know, Evgeny Malkin's been looking a lot better too. I think it wasn't the start to the season that he expected out of himself and even the Penguins maybe expected out of him. Um, so just a, a really good performance overall in Montreal. Like I said, with with the Habs, we all know where the Habs are going. We'll uh, we'll do more on the Habs when, as we get closer to the season ending, um, as we do a little bit more deep dives on the draft, free agency. I know the Habs are going to probably sell off some pieces too at the trade deadline, but um, this team, you know, we, we want to pay attention to the development of Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki and some of these other young defensemen we talked about yesterday, but. Um, the it's it's tough for Montreal fans right now for the team. Um, we know that they know probably that there's a lot of um, pieces in the locker room that are shifting and uh, pieces of the organization that are shifting. So um, tough to put together consistent efforts on the ice when you know what is happening off of it. Um, so Pittsburgh swe- sweeps the season series with Montreal. Um, they are done until next year. Caden Primo too. I wish Caden. I wish the Canadians had been able to play a little bit of a better defense game in front of Caden Primo. So, um, yeah, just a lot of good hockey yesterday. We'll see the Penguins and the Capitals getting those wins, and that was a bad loss for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Not to be the guy to take the negative stance on things, but it felt like that one was a big one for Tampa Bay. They they go up. 1-0 against um, Washington, sorry. Um, just want to um, pull up the game just to just to really get... They don't go up once. They go down or they go down 3-1 to one, um, after the Mantha goal. And uh, Connor McMichael just, you know, he opens the scoring. He closes the scoring. Um, Obey Kubel gets the first one too. But um, if you are... Washington one that's a win that keeps things going uh Alexander Ovechkin gets an assist too um that is uh point streak at 10 now for Alexander Ovechkin um I'm sure this just like feels good in the Capitals locker room right now everything you're rolling uh your captain is rolling um some of these other players are good obviously the the TJ Oshie injury uh the non-contact injury injury is pretty scary 
Um, there is a Instagram post or a tweet from uh, TJ Oshie basically saying, by the way, the, the quote from the Capitals was that they are um, at a very high level of concern for this TJ Oshie injury. But the, the post is, I'll be back. Thanks for the love, Caps fans. Hashtag no bad days. So, um, yeah, they're going to evaluate it. We'll probably know more later today, so we'll update you after the weekend. Um, but I'm sure you'll know it by then if um, you're listening to this program anyways. So, um, But we just wish them all the best. That's a, that's a scary injury. Um, yeah. On the flip side of that, um, Victor Hedman played 30 minutes as well, and he was minus two, and it's... You know, for for a blue line that did not have Eric Cernak available before game time because of an illness, um, they lost Hayden Flurry. Um, he he didn't return after taking a hit in the corner on one of the goals, um, and yeah, I mean a lot is being asked Victor Hedman. We already know Sir Michael Sergachev is out with that injury, and um, Victor Hedman's kind of on the downslope. There, there's no really skirting around it. Um, he is still a very, very high-level defenseman, probably a top 10 defenseman in the game right now. But I don't know that he's that that top one or two anymore and able to carry the lightning like he was. Like, I mean, we're, we're talking about a guy that was practically the second coming of Nick Lidstrom for a while there. And, um, I mean, I viewed him as such. Like, his game was just so tremendously fun to watch over the last, like, eight seasons. Um, just dr- dominant through and through, um, a real leader for hockey down there. Um, just a really good person off the ice too, from everything it seems like. Really quiet leader, um, does a lot for the Tampa Bay community. But um, the play on the ice is what is troubling right now for a team that needs to be picking up wins. Um, it's not like the Lightning are surrounding him with a glut of talented blue liners. Also. You know, it's him and Darren Radish. I no no direct slander to Darren Radish, but um, the guy was playing in the American Hockey League up until last season, and he's been in the NHL because the Lightning need him. Like they need bodies like that, they need players like that. And um, Hayden Flurry was another one. So losing him obviously forced a few more minutes on Hedman's shoulders. But um, it it it's a lot of miles on the body for Victor Hedman. Um, you know, the the team is not as good around him. So it makes it a bit more difficult now that he has to take on these tough assignments as a, you know, guy, like I said, with a lot more miles on his skates. So um, it's a tricky time in Tampa Bay right now. I know John Cooper is a little bit uncomfortable probably for the first time. I know he tries to um, generate the feeling of being uncomfortable, but... Um, you know, that is, uh, this is the time where he might actually be pretty uncomfortable with what is going on in Tampa Bay right now. I think everybody's a bit, um, you know, ready to take a step back and try and evaluate maybe, all right, let's take these next set of games. And if they go one way, you know, we'll, we'll think this way about the team. And if we, if they go the other way, then, you know, we really got to start asking some follow-up questions here about what the direction of this organization will be. Um, where everybody wants to be in the future, looking at Steven Stamkos, um, looking at maybe even a Victor. I mean, they're not moving on from Victor Hedman. I, I, I could almost guarantee that. But I think genuinely more and more, especially if there comes into question their grasp on a playoff spot, 
Um, this weekend will tell a lot. They will visit uh, the New York Islanders, and then on Sunday they will take on the Devils. Sorry. Um, but that's a big two games, four points. Um, if you don't get three points out of those, you know, and keep in mind, like those games are, you know, we'll get to the devil's game in a little bit here, but, um, we talked about the Islanders. They lost four zero to the blues. And that was one that was two teams right on the bubble. And we've talked about it with some of these teams, either going to go really one way or really another. And, this is also just as big of a weekend as it is for Tampa Bay. It is just as big of a weekend for the New York Islanders and the New Jersey Devils. Um, so if uh, the Lightning really can't get it going this weekend, then we might be calling into question um, what might be going on with some other guys on this team. And is this, and is this team more of a seller than a potential adder at the deadline? Um, the Leafs win 7-3 to over the... Vegas Golden Knights, the defending champs. No Jack Eichel, obviously, for the Golden Knights. No Mark Stone, too. He is out week to week with a lacerated spleen. So the Golden Knights were missing their captain. Um, the Leafs, I mean, kind of like the game against Arizona the night before. It was all about the first period. Um, they they go up 4-0. Max Domi gets a goal. Um, and then the, th- the second period was really tremendous, too. Um, Pontus, Pontus Holmberg with just a sick goal, strips the puck away from the Knights defenseman, goes in on Aiden Hill and roofs it. And uh, just a really good game overall from the team. Um, Austin Matthews gets another goal. That is uh, his 52nd of the season. Just seems to be automatic right now for the guy. Um, And uh, what else do we have here from the Swan? Just checking my notes. Jake McCabe gets a goal back to a few games now. David Camp, his first in over 25 games. And... Uh, Ryan Reeves also with two assists. I wanted to point that out. That must have felt good. That was his first two assists as a Maple Leaf. Um, but Mitch Marner with two assists. So he passes the the streak of uh, most consecutive games with multi-assists. Uh, that was a streak held by Borea Salming on the team. So he passes that. It's kind of an ESPN stat there. But um, yeah, the that was probably one of Max Domi's better games as a Leaf. Um and it's probably got to be a big uh, feeling of relief for um, a team that some of these depth guys have been called into question. Guys like David Camp and Max Domi and Holmberg. Um, everybody loves Holmberg there. Um, but, you know, even Todd, or Tyler Bertuzzi. almost said Todd there. Whoops. Um, the, Tyler Bertuzzi played a really good game. And um, I'm sure that's just got to feel good for this team overall. And the flip side of things, it was a tough one for Aiden Hill. Tough night for Aiden Hill. Um you know, a lot of eyes on him, a lot of a lot of chatter in the media and the big, you know, big hockey media um, about Aiden Hill being that Team Canada guy. Um, although Jordan Bennington might be looking more and more like the guy that everybody keeps forgetting about him because of his antics. But um, he's right there. He's right there with Aiden Hill. Um, and, and yes, I, I know Aiden Hill has been tremendous recently. I'm not here to dog on Aiden Hill, but um, that, that was definitely a rough outing for him. The pressure might have definitely gotten to him of just all these eyes, all this, you know. And, and that that game, too, was just, it was full of Leafs fans. Um, they traveled very well. We saw a lot of them in Arizona at Mullet on Wednesday. Um, and it, it, just an impressive performance. I think a lot of people were pegging the Leafs to lose this one and the Golden Knights to come out very strong. And it was quite the opposite. So 
Um, good game overall. We'll see, see Toronto take on the Avalanche tomorrow to see them wrap up a four-game road trip. Then they will face the Golden Knights again next Tuesday. The Avalanche, meanwhile, uh, or the Vegas Golden Knights, meanwhile, sorry, will... Um, I got the Avalanche on my mind. They're going to take on the Ottawa Senators tomorrow or tomorrow night. Um, yeah, that should be a good one. Ottawa, let's talk about the Ottawa Senators for a second. The Ottawa Senators have had every excuse to roll over and give up on the season. They, um, they've kind of done the thing that we've talked about where you know you're out of the race and you end up putting in really inspired efforts towards the end of the season when you're already out of the race. There's no chance of you really realistically making it back in, and you win a bunch of games. And some of those games are against teams that are in playoff spots, you're playing spoiler against. Some of those games are meaningless ones against teams that are also out of the competition and just playing out the string. Um, and I think Ottawa's a little past that. I think Ottawa's a little past the idea of, um, you know, oh, hey, guys, you know, we're 15, 18 points out, but uh, we really got to put this together here against Dallas on a Thursday. Um, th there's every excuse right now for the Senators team to, to pack it in. Um, we had the whole Pierre Dorian exodus, um, the whole DJ Smith situation. Looking back on it, that was probably even a bit more uncomfortable than it needed to be. Um, and, and the Senators are just kind of at this, like, odd transition point where they're probably going to let go of pieces like uh, Vlad Tarasenko, right, and um, some other guys. But where is this team really headed, and who wants to be a part of the solution, and who really is a part of the solution here? Josh Norris had a really good game yesterday. Um, Shane Pinto also had a really good game. Every game is a good game for Brady Kachuk. Um, you know, the goaltending had held up for for three periods, and. Uh, Dallas really has been kind of snake bitten lately too. Um, what we got to do, I've been itching to do a deep, deeper look at the Dallas Stars because they they truly are a Stanley Cup contender. They've had some stretches where maybe the offense isn't clicking as much, or um, they just are maybe even like out of it and they don't really regather themselves mentally enough to uh, get that comeback. Ask, you know, we've seen some good comebacks out of the stars, but I don't think they do it at a level of, um, you know, like the, the level of the Maple Leafs or the New York Rangers or some of these other teams that we see come back in games a lot. The Edmonton Oilers, um, for instance. So, um, but the Ottawa, the Ottawa picture of this is, you know, they have been playing better with uh, Jacques Lemaire um, or Jacques Martin. I always say Jacques Lemaire with, uh, with this guy, but... Jacques Martin, look, I, I'm not really old enough to remember the first go-round of Jacques Martin behind an Ottawa Senators bench. So um, I, I had no idea what to expect with this man stepping behind the bench of the Senators, what direction they were going to go in. I mean, he said he was going to bring a more detailed, refined approach to the game, more attention to detail, more attention and cognizance defensively. And it seems that he's done that. So... Um, it, it hasn't translated to wins as much. I, I I would assume that the the Senators overtake the Canadians at some point in the standings before the end of uh, probably the month, um, you know, or going into early March. And, you know, there's no way this team can realistically be thinking playoffs. They're, they're 14 points behind the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I just, I don't really believe it. 
I don't believe that they believe that. Um, they've been in on Chris Tanev. That would be more of a longer-term play if they were able to acquire a guy like that and then sign him to a long-term extension. Um, but even still, is that really what you're trying to do in Ottawa? I understand there's a need for right-shot defensemen. Um, I understand there's need for veterans in that locker room that can really teach the the younger players the responsibilities and ways of being a pro hockey player in the National Hockey League. But... Um, I don't know. They they really are going to have to evaluate who is a part of that young, talented core, and then how can we best augment it with high-end veteran players. So, you know, that might even look more like a trade situation versus, you know, I know I know the, the Tanev situation is a trade right now, but um, I don't know. I, I could see someone with even, like, a higher ceiling than Chris Tanev. I, this is, like, you know, no Chris Tanev slander. I think he's going to be the bell of the, bell of the ball at the um, trade deadline this year. But um, no no way that he, you know, you could definitely get another bigger piece. Um, maybe, like, a Carter Verhage type. Maybe, I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe a Mackenzie Weger type with Calgary. Maybe, maybe you just look at another Calgary defenseman. You know, Mackenzie Weger's up there in goals by defensemen this season. He's having a really, really good year. Um, tough, tough game yesterday, but uh, the flame, his Flames team still won. So um, no harm, no done. No harm, no foul there. But um, may, maybe Ottawa looks at bringing in like a native son like that, that, um, you know, would bring a lot of pride and to wearing that that logo and that jersey. Um, kind of like Brady, kind of like Alex Dabrinkit now in Detroit. Um you get the point here. Oh, we won't we won't dig too much deeper on the Senators because there is more story to be written there. Um, we 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 will have to get somebody on the market too. We had Chris and Claire on to talk about the PWHL Ottawa team, and uh, we got to get somebody that covers the NHL team in there too. So, um, let's see where else should we jump to next? So, I mean, I, I wanted to talk about this Cody Hodgson thing, and this was really cool. This uh, made me feel good. And not just because his Milwaukee Admirals beat the Chicago Wolves 4-0. That was just the sweetener on top for me. Um, he scored his first goal um, out of retirement since coming out of retirement. It was his third game. First pro goal in eight years. He retired after the 15-16 season. So like October of 2016, he retired. And his last NHL goal was December 15th, 2015 in for the National Predators in a game against the Calgary Flames. So... That is just an awesome story. Great pass over to him. Tapped it in. Uh, no big deal. Just a uh, really, really big moment for him. Um, love to see that. Um, and, I, you know, between myself and anybody who's listening, I will uh, take a take a win of another team against the Chicago Wolves any day of the week. So, um, but, but awesome to see that. I was a really big fan of Cody Hodgson growing up, uh, watching his game. Really big fan of his. Um, loved the physicality that he played with, the intensity, the desire, the passion. Like, it was just, he was a really good player. Um, player that I definitely even tried to model my game after, personally. So, um, it was really unfortunate when he had to cut his career short. Um, and it's very inspiring now that he is uh, looking to get back on the horse after eight years off. That's a long time, man. That's a long time to be... Um, away from a game that is played at a very, very high level. I mean, even to be playing in the American Hockey League um, after eight years off is pretty remarkable. Like, that—that that is something else from Cody Hodgson to be able to show that, you know, one, it is when, when you get to a level, um, you know, I don't know that it's this way for all sports, but I, I have definitely heard this mantra with hockey. Um, 
I, I let me preface this by saying I I am not a very good hockey player. Everybody, <laughs> I am um, not 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 nearly to the level about the people that I uh, sit here commenting about with you all for over an hour a day. But um, when I've heard from players at that level that when you get to that level, no matter how long it's been, it's always like riding a bike, which is pretty. Um, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? That you could get so good at a at a game like this that. You know, even being away from it for a very long time, you lace up the skates and, you know, some things might not be there. Um, I've heard some players even say recently, I think it was Matt Murley or something on his game notes show, but um, saying that the first thing to go is like the wrist strength in in hockey players. So they don't shoot the puck nearly as hard if it's been a while. Um, and yeah, just an interesting, an interesting point there. So uh, long story long, uh, really, really happy for Cody Hodgson. Um and I hope he makes it back to the NHL. Maybe gets a game in. We, you know, I, I know uh, Brandon Sutter had to uh, call it quits after giving it a go earlier in the season um, with the Oilers. And, um, you know, that was a different situation. He wasn't out nearly eight years. He was out uh, because of long COVID and then uh, made his way back into an NHL lineup after a few years off. But um, just would be great to see Cody Hodgson play another NHL game, even if it was just one, just to see how just to see how it would go. Um, so we had a minor NHL trade yesterday. Emo Benstrom goes from the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, going the other way is Williams' brother Alex Nylander, and um, a six-round pick in 2026. Sorry, I'm trying to pull up the Emo Benstrom um, stats and. Because I, I think this player was definitely known to have been frustrated about its role and opportunity in Columbus. Um, and I definitely think he's going to get more of an opportunity there. Um, yeah, I mean, he's played in 32 games this season. I won't, I have to be honest, I, I didn't even really notice that much that he had gotten into that many games because I knew that there was displeasure there about his role in his ice time. And there are a lot of forwards there in Columbus. So um, he's 24 years old. You know, we're seeing the emergence of a of a guy like Pontus Holmberg, who we talked about with the sick goal against the Vegas Golden Knights yesterday. Um, different players, but just similar energy that they could bring. Um, you know, they're not the biggest guys. They both shoot right. Um, or Holmberg's a lefty. I'm sorry, but um, Bem Bemstrom's a righty. But these these guys are able to. Um, you know, really provide a spark. I, I think I think this is a perfect trade for Pittsburgh, and I'm surprised that they really only had to unload the 2026 six and Alex Nylander, who has gotten into some games for them this year, but not a crazy amount for the Penguins. And um, I think Bemstrom just has a lot more promise there. Um, and he, he he's gotten into some AHL games too. He's got ten goals in eight games in the AHL for Cleveland. So um, also 14 points to go along with that. He has 11 points in 32 NHL games. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if the Penguins can give him more of an opportunity, which I'm sure they will, um, we were talking about that, like Drew O'Connor's really been one of their best, uh, depth forward players. Um, if they could bring in another guy like that, that could, you know, there's going to be opportunity to play higher in the lineup in Pittsburgh. So, you know, if Emil Benstrom could even get a look with a guy like Evgeny Malkin, I mean, there, there's not better thing. There, there are a few better things that you could get in a career in hockey than playing on a wing with Evgeny Malkin. Um, tops among them being playing on wings with players like Carter McDavid or Austin Matthews or Sidney Crosby. 
Um, but it doesn't really get a whole heck of a lot better than Evgeny Malkin to try and jumpstart your playing career. Um, so we'll probably see Emil Benstrom in a lineup too. These teams also don't really, I feel like these two teams, I'll, I'll have to put a pin in this one for a later date, but I, I feel like these two clubs don't really make a lot of trades with each other. Um, there is kind of a, a little bit of a rivalry there. Uh, Penguins fans may say that that rivalry exists more on the Columbus side of things, but um, I still think that there there is definitely a bit of a snarl and, um, you know, sandpaper finish between um, these two teams whenever they get together. So, um, yeah, I mean, just surprising to see them make a trade. I, we'll, we'll see how much they go. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. So was that Alexi Lafreniere's best game in the National Hockey League? Um it might have, it might not have been exactly, but uh, to me, it was definitely the one of recent m memory where I was like very impressed with how he played. Um, a lot has been made about this player and this season and what his growth has been looking like, and uh, the fact that he's playing with Artemi Panarin right now, and the fact that Panarin is um, having a phenomenal season himself. Look, I still think that there is a lot of um, Artemi Panarin helping Lafreniere's success this year. It's not like Lafreniere is even a point-per-game player, too. I think a lot of the people out there have been uh, acting like Lafreniere is a point-per-game player. He's not. Um, he, and he's he's well underneath the mark, too. He's got, he's got only 35 and 57. Not like it's all about putting the puck in the back of the net. I understand that um, he's a big guy, you know? Like, you know, not, not so much in height stature. He's only 6'1", but... Um, he just plays it like about around 200 pounds. So um, he has the ability to use his body in a more uh, more effective way as far as establishing physical dominance. And, you know, the, the speed with him has been not an issue. He's a, he's a fast player, but um, being able to utilize that speed in the NHL has always been a bit of a tricky thing for him. So, um yeah, I, I think it was probably one of his better games in the NHL. Um, if you ask me and you ask my take on it, I mean, that that was a game where I looked at it and said, yes, Panarin was very good, but, you know, Lafreniere also brought a lot to the table here as far as that. Um, so great game from him. Rangers trounced the Devils 5-1. to one. It wasn't even really much of a matchup. Jack Hughes breaks up the Igor Shesterkin shutout with only a few minutes remaining. Um that was the lone consolation there for New Jersey, and it wasn't even really much fun. So um, we saw we all saw the Matt Rempe hit, too, on Nathan Bashan. He got ejected for that one. Um, Nathan Bashan later fought Jacob Truba, too, after he took a hit from Truba. And, um, yeah, I don't know that there's been a game that's really illustrated the fact that the Devils need goaltending more than that one because they outshoot the Rangers. They, you know, well, yes, a lot of the, the shots on goal for the Devils weren't really of the highest quality caliber, but... Um, the, the fact that they were able to put over 44, over 40 shots on the Rangers indicates that they had the puck a lot, that they were, um, controlling play and able to get looks, even if they weren't the best of looks. So the fact that they let in, I, I want to get the number exactly here and I should probably have this ready to go, uh, more so, but, um, yeah, the fact that the Rangers only put up 18 shots is pretty brutal. Um, that is a... You know, that, that is a tough night and then some for Nico Dawes and the Devils net minding as a whole. And, you know, you might you might start taking that Jack Hughes quote of, uh, 
you know, it's better when you get the goaltending. It's a little easier, whatever he said. It's a little easier when you get the saves. Um, yeah, no game might have illustrated that fact more articulately to the Devils themselves and the rest of the National Hockey League that goaltending help is needed in New Jersey. So um, there are some names out there. Uh, they will just cost you a very pretty penny. So, um, But the Devils have the, the assets to be able to spend it. So um, we will see what direction this goes in because we talked about teams needing wins, getting them. Uh, the Devils were the one team that really needed that win outside of Tampa Bay, but they were playing the Capitals. But the Devils were that one team that really needed that win, and they did not get it. So... Um, couple other ones uh, mentioned that that Red Wings avalanche rivalry wanting more from it um, wishing it were more wishing they were even in the same conference even though that doesn't really happen anymore that's not that's not going to work out these days um, you know wanting more from that rivalry and um, adding some more to it I mean Nathan McKinnon opens up the scoring the Red Wings tie it up late-ish with the Larkin goal and and then he just sets up Patrick Kane for the overtime winner and Kane roofs it and you know, I, I think he went a little easier on that slap shot than he could have, too. Like, he could have wired that puck home, and he still did. Don't get me wrong, but, I mean, he could have blasted that puck and, you know, just put it where he needed to put it, and the Red Wings pick up a really big win over the Avalanche. I mean, on a night that Tampa Bay loses, on a night that Florida loses, and on a night that the Leafs win and are further trying to cement themselves in that top three of teams along with Boston, Florida, and the Atlantic Division— that is an enormous win for the Detroit Red Wings. So um, looking to see now when they will be back in action. We only have three games on tonight, um, starting with a Buffalo Sabres and uh, Columbus Blue Jackets preview. We'll see the Red Wings host the St. Louis Blues in a matinee matchup on Saturday. That should be a good one. And then they'll host, or then they will visit here on Sunday for the Chris Chelios Jersey Retirement Night. And now that I'm thinking of it, we probably should have done a little bit more on Chris Chelios this week. He is having his number seven retired by the Chicago Blackhawks today, who we will see in action tonight hosting the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but they're retiring Chris Chelios' number seven this weekend in Chicago. Um, he was a legend here. I mean, I'll, I'll look up just now some of his Chicago stats because, I mean, Chris Chelios was one of those dudes that... Uh, one of those guys that really played for a very long time, obviously, um, played into his 50s. Uh, not a lot of people can say that they did that. Um, but just his impact here was very, very large. He's still a pretty big fixture in the Chicago community. Um, his daughter is um, a TV broadcaster for the Hawks, too. I just want to get right how many seasons he played here. Um Nine, nine, so nine seasons, and then he was moved to the Red Wings, and that was kind of seen as a big, um, you know, we saw Yarmir Yager's jersey retired, right, um, in Pittsburgh this past weekend, and when he was moved to the Washington Capitals, that was kind of, um, that was kind of seen as like a big, and then, you know, the the whole returning to the NHL at post-KHL and signing with Philly instead of Pittsburgh, um, it was seen as a big, uh, relationship severer between Yager and the Penguins and not so much with the the Red Wings and Chelios but it definitely was seen like that here for a little while it's definitely been repaired in the time since um Chris Chelios has really made Chicago his home I mean he's from here so it makes sense um 
this jersey retirement this weekend is probably long overdue and um yeah just really happy for him he sent my hockey team this summer a uh a, a good luck and congratulations before their championship game at the latin cup this year or this past year um so that was just a really you know i'll appreciate him for that if nothing else um that is you know very cool of him so it'll be awesome seeing his jersey retired here that's going to be a very fun weekend if you are a hawks fan in chicago um what was my original point there? I can't I can't recall. We were talking a lot of things. We were talking devils. We were talking um, the need for goaltending. Oh, we were talking about the, the Red Wings, though. They'll play the St. Louis Blues um, and then the Hawks. Um, and, and we can talk about the Hawks a little bit. I mean, the Hawks are going to take on Winnipeg tonight. That'll be uh, the second of three games tonight. The third one will be the Wild taking on the Oilers. And, um, yeah, the Oilers coming off a... Uh, that 6-5 loss in overtime after they came back a couple times against the Bruins um but you know the Blackhawks game against the Jets tonight they've they've certainly been putting up more inspired efforts um the the vibes seem to be high for a team that's on the precipice of being 15 and 44 <laughs> you know the the vibes seem very high in Chicago um you know, as far as facing a, a very good Jets team like tonight, just, you know, try and keep it low. Try and keep it low. Try and keep the the opportunities at bay. Try and capitalize um, on any breaks that they give you and hope that Connor Bedard does something magical. So um, Sunday should be really good, though, here in Chicago. The the tickets for that, I already know, are very, very expensive, and um, everybody's already got them. So um, there, there are very few left. There will be very few open seats in the building on Sunday. Um, just a really good matchup to do it. I mean, obviously they were going to do it for when the Hawks hosted the Red Wings, but what a, what a good matchup that's going to be. Um, and just, just a good weekend of hockey overall. We're really looking forward to it. 13 games on Saturday. I mean, you know, we're going to get the Leafs at the Avalanche, like we mentioned. We're going to get Canucks at Bruins. That's going to be awesome. And we get a Battle of Alberta. And um, that that... You know, maybe maybe we'll bring uh, Avery Lewis on in a uh, in a little bit, um, just to kind of get the the feeling out of things in Edmonton, the YEG area, um, just to understand. Really, um, I think we talked a little bit about the the um, the Battle of Alberta. Sorry, with with Avery before, but just to really understand what it's like and um, you know, we'll see if these two teams really have even the distaste of when. Matthew Kachuk was on the team a couple of seasons ago for Calgary, and we saw the Mike Smith versus Cam Talbot goalie fight. Um, I don't know that maybe we'll get a goalie fight in um, Edmonton on Saturday, but even still, if we do, we'll 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 be here to talk about it Monday. So, a um, co- couple other points I wanted to get to last night: Kraken pick up a good win over the Vancouver Canucks, five to two. Jared McCann had four points. And I will maintain my earlier notion, not earlier today, but earlier in this uh, series of shows, that nobody shoots the puck in the NHL. Um, Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but uh, few players in the NHL shoot the puck with as much power and force as Jared McCann. And he has just been an awesome find uh, for the Kraken, and he's just a leader in that locker room and on that team and is a part of what they're building as far as hockey in Seattle goes. Keep in mind, everybody, this is not a team that has been around forever. This is a team that is very much still in its infancy of an, as far as uh, who they are as an organization and uh, where we will see Seattle hockey grow in the near future. So, um, 
you know, it's nice to see Jared McCann really big be a big piece of that. Also, Jordan Everly, too. Um, I think his future is a bit undersold um, with regard to what could happen with Jordan Everly. I mean, I, I think his contract is up at the end of this season. I should be more prepared before bringing up something like that. But um, he, you know, he's been a very good player in every place he's been. And to, you know, see him maybe move on to a contender, you know, maybe a reunion with the Edmonton Oilers, that that's that would be my personal um, choice as far as to what I would like to see. Um, but if he continues to play like this, he could get the crack in a nice return. Uh, this should be a team that is still, you know, yes, they want to remain competitive now, but keep an eye towards the future too. Uh, try and acquire some more assets. They have some good young players. They still have Shane Wright and Jagger Furcus is ripping up the WHL right now. Um, but to, to add a few more players, Ty Nelson's very good too. Um, but to add a few more young guys, some young picks maybe, um, wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, especially if the Oilers are willing to move on from their first round pick. Um, there might be a little something there. Um, and I also mentioned the the Kings and the Predators game yesterday as far as being a big one. Who are the Nashville Predators really? And are the Los Angeles Kings, do, do we think they're going to figure it out by season's end and hit the playoffs on a stride or even hit the playoffs at all? There might be real genuine fear in Los Angeles that this team may not make the playoffs if some teams around them start playing better and this stretch of play continues. Um, that being said, the Preds pick up a big 4-1 win. Um, and the depth scoring has just been there. It was there last night. I mean, listen to these goals. You got Yakov Trenin, you got Mark Jankowski with his second of the year. You got Colton Sissons, who quite very, very quietly has 15 goals on the year already. And Jeremy Lozon picking up his sixth of the year. Also a pretty surprising number for him. Um, but UC Saros was very good in that one. Um, you know, we're talking about guys that that we're talking about teams that need goalies, and we were talking about goalies that might be moved. Um, th this is just a, you know, a, a Nashville team that could go one way or the other. Um, they, they could sell, they could keep, you know, they could do both. Um, you know, they could sell Pecorino or Pecorino. Oh boy. My gosh. Um, they could sell UC Soros. Um, and if they do, they, um, could just give Askarov the net, maybe bring in another more veteran goalie to kind of take some of the game pressure away from Soros. But, from Askarov my gosh all these all these goalies get mixed up and jumbled in my head but um you know there's a lot of options here for this Predators team or if they want to make a go for it too I, I do think that they have the pieces in place to be able to make a good run at making the playoffs I think um they are more uh detailed and more balanced than some of these other squads like Seattle and like Calgary and even Minnesota that are kind of also chasing these last wild card spots. So um, that was a big win. Long long story for um, the Predators there, but um, they they were definitely happy to pick up the win there. And if you were if you're the Los Angeles Kings, I mean, you know, I, I just think not a lot is going right right now, and you're not looking at a reset coming anytime soon as far as a break goes, as far as being able to get away from all this negativity and all this um, doom and gloom around the team. team, I mean, they're still in a playoff spot, but the, you know, the grasp on it is slipping away. They're only four points up on the, on the Predators now after that game. So 
I don't know. There, there's going to be some questions that need to be answered sooner rather than later in Los Angeles as far as what kind of team they wish to be both in the future and right now, right here this season. Uh, we will see them take on the Anaheim Ducks, and that is a very important game. I mean, the hockey last night, I'd argue, was just some of the best hockey that we've seen in a couple of weeks at the very least maybe even this whole season that might have been was that the best night of the, the hockey in the nhl i could be wrong there there have been some really good nights of hockey this season but um th- that was a really good one last night too and i think saturday is going to be another good one um and top among that list as quiet as that game may be and i know the ducks aren't very good but um that la kings and anaheim ducks game on saturday should be a good one. Um, meanwhile, we will see the Preds also take on the Ducks. They will play on Sunday. And uh, let's see if they play back-to-back. Am I correct? Yes, they do play. They will play in San Jose on Saturday. So um, we'll see how the roadie goes. Their road trip through uh, California goes for the Nashville Predators. And, um, yeah, a few more points from last night. And then we will talk a little bit more about the weekend. And then we will get out of here. Um Check out the deep fade, too, with Zach Elliott coming out later today. Um, what, what's he going to talk about today? What's going on in sport? I mean, you know, there's got to be some stuff, right? Did I wake you up, Brendan? Here, sir. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm looking at something right now. My bad. Oh, no, no, no. You're good. You're good. Um, I, I just, I didn't know what that noise was, my man. I mean, is there anything in sports really going on? Right um, now that Zach's going to come to the table with? I'm trying to... Yeah, no, we're planning to do a, a top 10 mock draft for the NFL draft. Oh, dude, there you go. That's what I was looking for. That's what I was looking for. Um, so be on the lookout for that coming out later today. So um, a few more points about the games last night, though. Calgary picks up a big 3-2 overtime win over the big, bad Boston Bruins, who might not be so big and bad anymore. Um, but... Calgary really took it to them. Shillington, Oliver Shillington, has goals in back-to-back games. Good for him. Marty Pospisil gets his fifth of the year, going to the front of the net, doing the right things, anything that a young player should be doing. And uh, Jacob Markstrom was excellent in this one. Like, I, I mean, there's, you know, I, the I know the first goal was a tough one. Um, like the first Charlie Coyle goal. Charlie Coyle had two goals for the Bruins in this one. Um, kind of forgot that, but... Um, on the first one, just, you know, kind of came out of the net and Coyle had it and just was an easy one for him. Um, the second one, that was the one where uh, Uyghur kind of got beat there by Coyle and um, Han- or Rasmus-, Rasmus Anderson was not really able to uh, step up and cover up for um, Uyghur. So, um, but Markstrom was awesome. Like, he was just really, really good. This might be... That might be the only reason to trade Jacob Markstrom right now is his value is likely at an all-time high. If you are the Flames looking to move off from him, um, that that should just be a very exciting uh, prospect if you are the Calgary Flames. But in that case, too, you you might also want to keep him if you are looking at making a playoff run either this season or next season. So um, for the Bruins, that was, you know, you win one, you lose one in overtime. That's kind of the way three-on-three goes. Um, they had a few chances, glorious chances to win it. I mean, the Pasternak chance was really good. Um, but yeah, they could have won it a few times, both in regulation and in the shootout, but Markstrom was excellent. So um, we mentioned the Leafs beating the Golden Knights 7-3. to three. Um, And I feel like that was it. Man, we really got through all the games last night in a really efficient way. 
Um, really happy about that. I'm really just thrilled about that. Th- this is going to be such an exciting weekend of hockey. Um, we also have a PWHL game tonight. New York is going to take on Toronto. So, man, I, I really wish they would play every PWHL Toronto game in Scotiabank Arena. Like, give, give us that. I mean, I don't, you know, not maybe not every single game even, but, like, if it's a Friday night, like last weekend was, g- give it to us. Give it to us at the Scotiabank Arena. I mean, even just from a viewing perspective, that was the best game that the PWHL has put on. Um, I could not have been more of a fan of the battle on Bay Street, and um, the hockey was just excellent. The The fan passion was what made it uh, the most exciting thing. Um, and, yeah, I mean, these two teams are also just battling for their playoff lives right now. So this will just be a big contest when it comes to how the standings look by season's end in the PWHL. Natalie Spooner um, leading the league in goals. I just want to get this correct. She is leading leading league in goals off the top of my head. Um, she is. She is 10 and, 10 and 11. Uh, Alex Carpenter leads the league in scoring. She has 14 points in 11 games. So that will be a fun matchup tonight. Carpenter v. Spooner. Um, we'll also see Ella Shelton in that one on the New York side. And Abby Rock, who um, probably w- wished she was putting a few more pucks in the back of the net. Um yeah, I, I think it's going to come for Abby Rock. She uh, she has been shooting the puck a little bit less than I feel like people would have guessed with her. Um, 16 shots in 11 games. That's not really a crazy amount of shots for Abby Rock. Um, so we'll see if maybe she can put a couple in the back of the net tonight at Madame Athletic Center for her PWHL New York side, and they will take on Montreal. We'll have uh, Ottawa played Montreal um, tomorrow night. And um, who do we have Sunday? Sunday is Boston at Minnesota. So just really good games. They've done a really good job with the schedule, spreading it out, um, playing games on, you know, they don't play games every single day. They play games on the days that they know. Like the NHL in, in its in its infancy used to be played Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Um, and that was kind of the that was kind of the way it went. And that's kind of what we're seeing now from from this league. I mean, they play um you know, I, I don't mind the, the Friday, Saturday games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and playing on Wednesdays too. Like, I, I think that's great. I, I really do. Um, it's a good, you know, gives everybody a break. You do get some games on Mondays too um, and some Tuesday games, but very rare. They're not really like cramming it down anybody's throat. They're really doing a nice job as far as, you know, presenting the schedule is like, here's one game a day, you know, for a couple days a week. And, that that's kind of what you can have and you know if you don't want to watch it don't watch but when you only have one and it's easy to watch too it's not like the national hockey league where you have nine games sometimes that start at the exact same time and there's as much as i will try there is no efficient way to watch nine hockey games at one time there just isn't um as and if anybody tells you otherwise they're a liar honestly i'm convinced of that at this point if somebody says you can watch nine hockey games at one time or even like six or seven, like my max for hockey is probably four. Like I can probably take in four different hockey games at one time and still kind of keep a pretty good understanding of what's going on in each one. Um, and even then, you're not as you're not getting as detailed of an analysis uh, firsthand as you would if you were watching one game or even two. Um, but yeah, four is my max. But 
the PWHL is uh, just done a really tremendous job at um, spacing out the schedule, making it really good, really digestible. All the games are free on YouTube, too, if you didn't know. Um, you probably do know if you are listening to this program, but um, the yeah, just just the way that they've been able to do this. I hope they get a TV deal soon. That means, yes, we won't have our games uh, for free on YouTube, but it's okay. We'll make the salary cap go up. Hopefully we get another team or two this summer too um, in that league. So a couple of waiver announcements too. Brandon Gignash on waiver for the Montreal Canadiens and Alex Barre-Boulet on waivers for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He has nine points in 36 games this season. Um, so just uh, we'll, we'll see if that goes anywhere. The Canadians are also uh, claiming Colin White off waivers from the Pittsburgh Penguins. So they bring in Bemstrom to Pittsburgh. They lose Colin White. So, um, yeah, just uh, let's see if there's is there anything else we're missing. Anything you want to mention, Brendan? Uh, no, not that I already didn't mention with the next podcast we got going. I mean, I'm excited to do the mock drafts, so... Yeah, do you have any spicy NFL draft takes that you uh, wanna? <laughs> nah, that's more Zach's thing. I'm like, I'm not as big into scouting college players as he is, so that's I'm fair. gonna be more of a counterpart to him. Yeah, man, that, that that'll be good. I um, we'll do some we'll do some hockey draft analysis here. Obviously, as we get closer to that, I've um tried to reach out to a few of my uh, scouting buddies, but they are all traveling, so. Uh, we'll, we'll catch somebody in the offing one of these days on a free day who will uh, chat prospects with us and uh, tell me why I'm wrong that Artem Levshinov should not go second overall behind Macklin Celebrini this year. But, um, yeah, and it doesn't seem like anything crazy has happened, so I think we can call it there for a day. Um, I hope everybody has a lovely day and a lovely weekend, a lot of great hockey, whether it's NHL, PWHL, CHL, NCAA, um have a fun time watching it have a fun time playing it enjoy your weekend and we will see you all on monday morning give the deep fade a listen uh thank you to brendan for coming out and uh working on this show as always and we will see everybody on monday morning